Hello and welcome to this vidcast, which, three years after the operation, is devoted to the acquisition of Tiffany by LVMH. We are going to get through the financial characteristics of the acquisition and of Tiffany today within LVMH. Quick wrap-up about the history. We are in 2020 and LVMH acquires Tiffany for $16.2 billion. You remember that in 2020, we are in the middle of the pandemic, COVID-19. And so there will be some rumors according to which LVMH might mobilize the material adverse change process in order to withdraw or negotiate the price. In fact, they are going to negotiate a little bit the price. The first price which was offered by LVMH was 120. It's going to go up to $135. And it's going to slightly go down to $131.5 per share. It's about $16 billion cash out. Now, the very famous Tiffany Cross is joining the Maison of LVMH, including Bulgari and Fred in a division, watches and jewelry. A Maison is a broader concept than the brand. It's a history. Of course, Tiffany is a historic brand, which is adding $4.4 billion of sales to the 4.4 billion euros of sales of the watches and jewelry's division of LVMH, almost doubling. There are also 326 points of sales, but stagnant sales at Tiffany. Tiffany is a sleeping beauty and not very active in terms of sales growth. Now, getting into the parameter of consolidation of LVMH will add to goodwill and brands a contribution of 14.5 billion euros. This year, the company made plenty of acquisitions, but the total contribution of these acquisitions to goodwill and brands was 17 billion, 14.5 come from Tiffany acquisition. Of course, one of the key questions of the film which I produced three years ago was, what about the value of Tiffany? What about the fundamental value of the company? When you want to evaluate a company, you need parameters, financial parameters, to calculate the weighted average cost of capital. You need a gearing, a financial structure. There was no debt in the balance sheet of Tiffany, but in order to make the acquisition, I anticipated that there would be some debt in the financial structure, maybe a gearing, debt over equity of 0.3. You need a risk-free rate and a debt interest rate. Treasury bonds at that time, 2.2%, risk premium for debt, 0.8%. So the interest rate is going to be the sum of these two figures, 3%. The beta of Tiffany was 1.5 plus, and I will show you the graph a little bit later on. This, as a consequence, drives the beta of the asset without leverage down to 1.2. And then you get to a walk which might be something like 9% with some leverage. The last calculated walk with no debt was 11% and a little bit more. Then forget about the technical calculation. The fundamental value with the worst assumptions was about $70 per share, which was quite far from the average stock price, which we can observe in 2019 of 109. And it's very far from the offer made by LVMH of 135, even though the offer went down to 131.5. 
Now, if you look at the evolution of the beta of Tiffany, what was very interesting to observe is a huge volatility. The beta of the company the last years were about 1.5 to 2. But it had been up to 2.5 at the beginning of the 2000s. It had been down to zero in the middle of the 90s. So an extremely volatile beta. As far as LVMH is concerned, the beta is much more predictable and stable from 0.8 to 1.2 with a kind of average of one in the long term. It's normal that the beta of LVMH is lower than the beta of Tiffany because LVMH is much bigger and you remember there is a size effect in the calculation of the beta. Now interestingly, in the annual report of LVMH, you can read the parameters which are used by the company to make its impairment tests when you discount cash flows to try to observe the fundamental value of your brands, of your goodwill. The work which is disclosed by the company is for watches and jewelry, about 7.5 to 8.9%. Why? Because there are different brands and there are different levels of risk. The plan duration is within a range of 5 to 10 years. Plan duration is the number of years up to the moment you get to kind of maturity, thanks to which you can calculate the terminal value. What is the average growth rate during this period? About 9.2%. Long-term growth rate, again, to calculate the terminal value, about 2%. If I use these parameters and apply that to Tiffany, when the company is acquired with the impairment test parameters of LVMH at that time, you get with a whack of 9%. $90 per share, and with a work of 7.5%, it goes up to 120 But we are still quite far from. Now what happened? Tiffany was integrated in LVMH operations, and we can observe that the division watches and jewelry grew. The revenue figure was multiplied by two. And now what is interesting to observe is watches and jewelry does not represent a very small percentage of LVMH. Now it's about 13 to 14% of the revenues of the group, which is now quite significant. It was probably one of the objectives of the acquisition. What about the commercial profitability? When you calculate EBITDA or EBIT as a percentage to revenues, you get something which is quite interesting to observe. EBITDA is gradually going up, starting 10, 15 years ago. Before the acquisition, is about 22, 23%. In 2020, the EBITDA, an EBIT to sales ratio, is very much down as a natural consequence of the pandemic. And then it goes back to the initial situation and a little bit better, 24 to 23%. If you remember that 23% is the EBITDA to sales figure of Tiffany before the acquisition. So there is no major change in this figure. Keep that in mind. Now in 2022 annual report, the company LVMH is providing again the impairment test parameters, not only in 2022, but comparing also with 2021 and 2020. What do we observe? We observe that the work from 2021 to 2022 is a little bit higher. It was 8.2% for watches and jewelry in 2021, and now it's 8.8 to 9%. Why? Because there is a tension in the interest rates, 
when inflation is up and interest rates are up, what happens? The work is up. That's a natural consequence for the companies. Interestingly also, the annual growth rate for the revenues during the plan period is a little bit down. It was supposedly a bit more than 10% in 2021 impairment test parameters. It's now 8.8%. So as a conclusion, slight increase in the WAC interest rate and a little bit reduced growth in the calculation. But very interestingly, in the annual report of LVMH, we have the parameters for Tiffany, not only for the division and all the divisions, but as Tiffany is a very, very big figure in the balance sheet, they provide not only the total goodwill and brand, which is again 14.5 billion euros, but the post-tax discount rate, the WAC, the growth rate for the period after the plan for the calculation of the terminal value, and the period which is covered by the forecast cash flow duration of the plan. 10 years. Now we have the exact figures which are used inside LVMH for the impairment test. Now when you make an acquisition, you anticipate some synergies generated by the acquisition, so an improvement in the financial performance of the company, and you introduce that in the calculations, the price you are ready to pay for the acquisition. Very interestingly, for Tiffany, the inventory level is absolutely huge. It represents more than 50% to sales and more than 140% of cost of sales before the acquisition of Tiffany by LVMH. As far as the watchers and juries division of LVMH is concerned, it is a little bit more productive because about 10 years ago, inventories were representing 20% less in terms of percentage to revenues. And just before the acquisition is about 10%. But you anticipate that there might be a reduction in the inventory, which is very good news. Because if you anticipate that the company is going to grow, the inventory level is going to grow. And in the calculation which I made at that time, the growth in the working capital requirement was consuming as much cash as the capital expenditures, which is quite huge. So you understand that a reduction in the inventory level by, say, 10% is a very interesting synergy in terms of valuation. I also consider that we are going to save 1% in capital expenditures because there will be synergies, purchasing prices, bargaining power against suppliers, and so on and so forth. It's not a very optimistic figure. Now, the last figure, which is quite important to calculate if we want to now evaluate Tiffany, is the weighted average cost of capital. You remember that Tiffany, standing alone, had a work of 11% as a consequence of a beta greater than 1.5. Now, what is supposed to be the weighted average cost of capital of Tiffany inside, within the watches and juries division of LVMH? By the way, what is the contribution of LVMH to the reduction in the work? We have two answers, theory and practice. And theory says there is no impact. Of course, there is an impact on the risk of the debt because as it is now part of a very big company, the debt is less risky and you pay a lower interest rate. No big deal. But the beta should be the same. In practice, what do companies do and what does LVMH do? There is an individualized work for the different divisions. This is exactly what is demonstrated when the company is 
communicating on the different walks depending on the different divisions and within the division. There is a walk which differs from one business to the other. Why? Because the systematic risk is different from one business, from one brand to the other. So the beta of a company inside a portfolio of assets is the same as the beta of the company standing alone. There is no reason it should be changed. Now let's go back to LVMH parameters. Now focusing on Tiffany and let's make the calculation of the value of Tiffany. We put inventories of 40% to sales instead of 15%. We reduce the capex by 1%. This is a bit marginal. And we take the WAC, which is 8.8, which is the WAC suggested by LVMH. Plan duration, 10 years. This is what they are saying. During this plan duration, we need to estimate the growth rate, which is not provided by the company. I decided to take 10%, which is twice as much as the last growth rate before the acquisition. So I am boosting sales and more than what is suggested for the division as a whole. Of course, I take the long-term growth rate of 2.5%, which is suggested and communicated by LVMH. Now, there is a very important ratio, which is a return on sales. We need to figure out the EBDA as a percentage to revenues. You remember, it was 23 before the acquisition. And today, it's about 23 to 24 for the division. So I take 23. The fundamental value of Tiffany using discounted cash flow method is $97. Now it's far from 131.5. Now the question is, how do you justify $131.5 per share as an acquisition price and the associated goodwill and brand figure in the balance sheet of LVMH? If we keep the same figures as before, and we just change one, which is EBDA to sales, it has to go up to 27.5% compared with 23. It shows an increase of about 4%, which is, I would say, realistic. But you remember that the assumption is a significantly lower weighted average cost of capital. Basically, it means roughly the same beta as the watchers and jurors division at LVMH. Now, if we keep the same beta and the same whack of Tiffany within LVMH as when it was standing alone, which is 11% as a whack as a consequence of a beta of more than 1.5, then to justify the $131.5, we have to increase the EBITDA from where it was 23 to where it should be 34%. It's an increase by 11%. And when you consider that the EBITDA to sales ratio for LVMH as a group is 29%, you understand that this assumption is much less realistic. So at the end of the day, the company is eventually saved by the beta of Tiffany within LVMH as opposed to. This is why, in order to be good in business and accounting and financial accounting, you have to really understand the beta and the financial theory. Thank you very much.